Hey guys, welcome to the Grab Your Listening Ears podcast. My name is Kayla Cavano and I'm an MSW student at Monmouth University. I'm also an artist based in Monmouth County, New Jersey. I've been studying social work for about six years now and over that time I've become extremely passionate about human rights and social justice and I just wanted to create a platform where there's a safe space to provide some education and have some conversations about highly relevant but not often discussed topics that affect really each and every one of us throughout our lives. Thus, Grab Your Listening Ears was born. One specific topic I I wanted to focus on was a a three-part series on the concept of reproductive justice and how it's related to gender, race, and incarceration. Um, Just to give a little background on reproductive justice, That is a term that was coined in the late 90s by a group of a dozen strong black women who created an organization called Sister Song, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective. And they described reproductive justice as the human right to maintain bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we do have in safe and sustainable communities. Um, For the first episode, I really wanted to focus on how gender impacts reproductive justice and specifically look at the impact on transgender individuals. Just to lay out the basis of gender, there are cisgender individuals who identify with the gender they were assigned at birth based on their biological sex. For example, being assigned female and identifying as a woman or being assigned a male and identifying as a man. There are also transgender individuals who identify as the opposite gender that they were assigned at birth based on their biological sex, being biologically um, born with male genitalia and being assigned male at birth, but identifying as a woman is an example of a transgender individual. And there are also individuals who identify somewhere in the middle of that spectrum outside of the gender binary and inhabit both masculine and feminine characteristics and they identify as non-binary or uh, gender fluid, gender queer. Some non-binary individuals also identify as trans. That's really a personal preference on um, gender identification. So to get into our topic today, here with me, I have Adam, who is my cousin. He identifies as a transgender man, and he's going to be talking with us about some of the ways in which trans individuals' reproductive justice is affected by their gender identity. Adam's a really wonderful person, and I'm really excited to get to hear what he's going to bring to the table today. So without further ado, I'm going to let Adam take the floor, and we'll get started. All right. Hi, Kayla. Hi. Um, I knew we were going to be doing this podcast, so I, um, prepared some things that I wanted to say, I guess, um, just to shed a little light on my perspective. I'm, uh, 26 now, and I've been on testosterone to transition from, um, female to male since I was 18. I think, um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about has you know, right now has, um, my opinion on things has changed since I started transitioning, and I guess that's, you know, one of the main points we're actually talking about, so, um, just really quick, I wanted to say that, and I guess make it clear that 
everybody's transition is a really unique experience and the way that I feel is something that I've, uh, you know, I've had a lot of time with and have developed my own thoughts through my personal experience of over eight years transitioning and I don't really expect anyone to feel the same way that I do and whether I'm saying, whether what I'm saying resonates with anyone or not, everybody's, you know, feelings are real, your transition's real, and it's just, uh, everybody's experience is their own, so. I, I love that you brought that point up, it, exactly. Um, like I mentioned, this is, and I want this to be an educational platform, and I want to talk to people about their individual experiences, but also, you know, recognize the fact that everybody is different and this is a very intersectional topic and um, an individual experience. So I'm really glad that you're willing to share your experience and, you know, shed some light on your knowledge and just what you can add into the conversation. So I, I'm really appreciative that you're here to talk about it. So uh, are you ready to get this started? Yeah. All right, great. So um, just to start off, uh, we'll start on the first topic. Um, from the perspective of a transgender man, um, what insight can you provide regarding how um, gender uh, impacts reproductive health care um, in particular? Um, let's see. I guess I'll start with that. The experience of healthcare has definitely changed for me since I've transitioned. Obviously, before it was just kind of, you know, mainstream. And now, you know, my chart really, you know, for doctors I've been with for a few years now still says female, even though that I'm, you know, look like male. If you, you know, if you walk up to me, you're not expecting any of my information to say female. So that's a little bit of a trip, but um, luckily the my actual, I guess like normal everyday physician is trans themselves. So that's a pretty good experience for me. They're pretty, you know, sensitive to what I'm going through. And um, something I I want to bring up with that I actually I don't know maybe two years ago now. I had to go for a pap smear. I just, I never did that before, any kind of, like, gynecology exam. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that that was, like, rough. I didn't really want to do that, but I that um, in my family I have a history of, like, cervical cancer and stuff, so it was just important. And it, being that I had the doctor that I did, um, they just let me pretty much do like this little kind of like swab test myself instead of going through like being examined by a doctor. So um, there definitely are some options out there, even though it might feel a little awkward. Um, I do drive for that. Coming from New Jersey, it's a little bit you to know, Philly. Yeah, to Philly. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a ride, but it's definitely 
worth it instead of being uncomfortable and, you know. But also, I'd like to say that, it, you know, even my experience with the eye, my chart is female, but there are professionals. Nobody's like, like laughing or something that, I, I mean, I think that'd be just, I'm sure it does happen, but uh, it, I have not experienced anything like that, luckily. Yeah. So basically a lot of, a lot of the interaction with your providers have, have been impacted about, you know, what information they have accurate, you know, uh, documented in their charts. So there could be a possibility of misgendering. Um, Yeah. And, and sometimes I guess like I have this like big fear that if I, if I say like check off mail in the chart that like, I don't know, maybe there'll be some emergency and like, I'm going to be treated wrong because like biologically that's not right. Mm. My biggest fears, but I don't really actually know if there actually is a circumstance where that would even happen. (laughs) Got it. Got it. So kind of like you, you have to you have to kind of navigate the situations in a different way like you have to think about them differently yeah um in in kind of like more what if situations and kind of have more preparation to to yeah. go about your visits yeah definitely some what if things and um you know at first when i transitioned my uh insurance I was still listed as female, but now I'm listed as male, so and I'll add this in now that pretty much I, I guess I could still have a kid, even though that I'm on hormones. If I stop them, then it'd be fine. Like, I'm still young and everything. It's not like any, you know, anything's really changed. Um, but... Like, I I don't really even know too many people who have had a kid being female to male, and at this point, I'm male with my insurance, so, like, would my insurance even cover me going to the hospital to have a baby? Sure. Okay, yeah, you you actually bring up a point that I was, I'm really curious about, is how, in terms of, like, you know, healthcare insurance, like, how is that, like, is that been impacted for you i know for a lot of um trans people sometimes things aren't specifically covered or there are issues with like you said you don't know if they would even cover you being um in in a hospital listed as giving birth so have is there any experience that you can talk about that or anyone that you know in the in the community um basically i really just have experience with getting my hormones and um, when I had private insurance, I actually had to pay more than I do now having, like, Medicaid. Mm. And I don't really know what that's a but um, I was worried that when I switched from injections to gel that um, it was going to be a lot of money because I know the gel costs more, but I, by then I had switched from private insurance to state, and now it's free, so um, 
that's actually been a pretty good experience for me. I know a lot of guys have a hard time getting things covered, but then there's also guys who are able to have their whole top surgery covered by insurance, um, depending on what state they're in. So it's really important to look into what your insurance covers for you personally. So that can really vary not only from like person to person, but like, but like on a bigger level from like state to state and, and from insurance company to between one and another that, so even just getting that access can be a huge barrier for some people to even get like, um, gender affirming hormones or, uh, surgeries. Uh, yeah, there definitely are barriers. Um, I have to say the clinic that I go to, the Mazzoni Center, they, um, they actually will base the price of your appointment on a sliding scale. So like they do make it really like it's within reach to get that care. And there are other places like that besides just where I go. Got it. Got it. That's actually really good information for anyone listening. Um, the, can you repeat the name of the clinic? Um, it's called the Mazzoni Center in Philly. In Philly. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and you had also mentioned that your doctor, uh, your current doctor is trans themselves. So I, do you feel, you feel like that is very important? Like um, like there would be a difference in, in the way that you're treated. Do you think that there would be a difference in the way that you're treated from a cisgender doctor to a trans doctor? Like do you, you feel more comfortable with a trans doctor? in terms of getting the, the, your needs for care taken? taken. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to go to, I guess, you know, if I'm just going to the doctor for a cold or something, I just need medicine, then it, you know, I'm kind of not bothered by it because I'm not really going there to talk about being transgender, but as anything to do with that or transitioning or my hormones or just uh you know anything to do with that it's definitely more comfortable being with over there pretty much everybody there is falls in the like queer family yeah that's awesome that uh something like that even exists because the the importance of feeling comfortable when you're receiving health care is is something that so many people that like just don't receive it because they don't feel comfortable so that's really important that people do have that access yeah i guess i honestly i've been lucky that i found that place right when i was transitioning so i haven't had any terrible experiences but i know that some guys like wind up going to planned parenthood or even try to go through their regular physician and people just can be assholes i guess Sorry, I was to say. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like I said, this is a this is a safe space. It's an educational learning environment. I want it to be conversation. I want this to be, you know, a learning experience for not only us but also people who are listening. So, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, kind of along this topic, I I just wanted to touch upon uh the concept of sex education uh you know i think everybody in the world is familiar with you know the talk or you know the birds and the bees or sitting in health class and 
getting the diagrams and and whatever but I also want to bring light to the fact that you know we we base our sex educational systems on very cisgendered focused um teachings and heteronormative focused teachings you know kind of like this is the man this is the woman this is the mom this is the dad this is where this goes and this is what happens afterwards like you have the baby and I feel like because of that um there could be a lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings or just false information and straight up confusion I think for anybody sitting in those types of classes so just learning about the concept of sex education in general like how would you say that um the concept of gender and the you know cisgender and heteronormative focus as education like how does that impact reproductive justice like what are the what are the outcomes of that in your opinion and from your experience i think that in like back way back when in like middle school sex ed that that wasn't really all that traumatizing for me. I feel like everybody just kind of hates it and everybody to learn about what's going on with the body, whether it's like the body where you want or not, like on like a really real thing. Like I didn't want to talk to my mom about it if like I got my period. So I was very happy that like I kind of knew what it was and could handle it myself So I think that those, like, very basic things are important to teach. Of course. um, But maybe it doesn't need to be so much, like, one or the other. It could just be kind of like, these are different types of bodies and this is what happens. Like, um... I don't know, just because not everybody only identifies as male or female, obviously, so that could kind of, like, be a little hurtful, Mm. but I do think that those things need to be taught totally, like, 1,000% absolutely need to be taught, and then, like, more in high school, I do think that, um, um, it should be taught that there's different genders and different sexuality should be introduced and it shouldn't just be like the mom and dad have a baby and and that's the only option. I think maybe it should be like, this is sex to have a baby and then, you know, some people actually just have sex to have sex and you're too young to do either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, like, but avoiding it, that misinformation it, piece. Yeah, it shouldn't be, like, shaming one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I also do think that, um, like, it also is just some gym teachers teaching health, usually. And, like, they are definitely, I don't know, sometimes not the most sensitive people Um, so I think it definitely, there's like a fine line between how much you want to have people teaching and not because you don't want to like make a joke of it. Mm -hmm. That could like be the start of somebody getting bullied. Of course. And, um, 
or practicing unsafe sex because <laughs> they don't understand what to do with their yeah. bodies. Yeah, I think just, I don't really know the exact solution of what it would be, but I think every, you know, all the sexualities and genders need to be introduced. There needs to be, like, you know, I mean, there's already, like, gay straight alliance and things like that for kids to go to, so I guess that's really where you (laughs) get your education. Yeah. Typical high school education. I think that's kind of a hard thing to change in general because it's just like kids are so mean and rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can definitely be true, of a, especially in high school. Um, so, yeah, I... Sorry. No, go ahead. I guess just, like, if you introduce to kids that there are more than just, you know, boy and girl from, you know, the beginning, it would probably make things easier. You know, maybe if somebody wanted to come out or something, they wouldn't feel like, you know, nobody even know, nobody even ever heard of this before or something, you know, it would make it a little easier. But, um... Yeah, I don't really know, like, what the most, the best solution for that would be. I think that's a really hard one to fix, just because, like, the way it's taught and how um, mean kids are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, the, the bullying aspect and, you know, identifying can definitely be, um, a huge, a huge part of that, and... I also think that, like, making pressure to have to, like, put a label and stuff is also, like, you shouldn't even have to feel that pressure. Like, it it should just be that, you know, you are who you are. Everybody knows that you could be a boy or a girl or in between, and if you, you know, are doing that, then it's fine. Not have to feel like, oh, I have to be only one way until I like come out or something like that's such like a big like stressful experience like kind of almost just providing all of the information so that yeah. somebody oh, yeah. can make an informed you know decision about their identity and just you know really come to understand you know who they are you know what what their bodies are like what they want to do with those bodies you know um and and even when we get into things and talk about consent and stuff like that like just how these things need to be all just talked about in general yeah so that the information's there and they can do what everyone can do with it what what they will yeah the information just has to be more there like for me I never really even knew about transgender until I heard of this kid that was transgender in my high school who was on the Tyra Banks show. Oh, wow. That was the first time I ever, like, even heard of being transgender. So, like, I knew that I was having, like, a problem with myself, but I didn't even have anything to, like, call it. So it's definitely good to be able to be, like, you know, have heard of it before, at least be able to identify with something. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, you in order to for to 
uh, people of the same biological sex to have, you know, be intimate, they're going to use freaking sex toys. Like, that doesn't need to be taught in school. Of course. So, you know, parents who get all, like, wigged out about introducing new things, you know, I feel like that's what they're thinking. Like, there's going to be, like, a sex toy sale in the front of the classroom. Like, the fucking <laughs> bear. <laughs> Yeah. And and that's the thing is like, we're not, we're not trying to have that conversation. We're trying to have the conversation of, of really what reproductive justice is just having all that information, being able to do, you know, that bodily autonomy, that understanding, that connection. Everybody's allowed to have their own body. Absolutely. What, you know, the way you appear doesn't have to define who you are and, and everybody's different. I feel like just everybody's different. That's like all you need to know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So having having education based on just you know one or two isn't isn't sufficient. Which you know, and like you're saying, the the you you're not really sure. There is there really is no answer. There's no you should do A B C D. I mean, you know, if we sat down for you know months and months, I'm sure we could come up with a great curriculum. But you know. There is no specific answer because everything is so individualized. But the fact that the importance is to just have the conversations and have the information out there. And the, that's kind of why I wanted to have this this episode in particular is to have that conversation somewhere. You know, if it's if yeah. it's not being had in one place, maybe, you know, somebody out there listening to this, this is, you know, helping them have some information or be able to put words to explain um, something either to them to themselves just to understand or to their family or, or friends or, or whatever. So, yeah, that that education aspect is is super important. And I really appreciate like the insight that you brought because you brought up like a really really good points about that so um go honestly going right out of that is just I wanted to finish up and touch on like the concept of parenting and you know we just talked about sex ed the whole birds and bees conversation and talk and um the fact that you know again parenting is not just you know mom dad cisgender woman cisgender man um and things like that. So just kind of like how uh, gender impacts like, you know, parenting and especially from a trans man's perspective, um, like just anything that you can provide insight about. Um, okay. So basically, this is just my experience and thought process on being a parent since I've gone from female to now male mm-hmm. uh, when basically when I was younger I definitely wanted kids and I never you know that was just pretty much mainstream normal I never considered you know how I would be treated by a doctor or find a doctor or you know maybe I'd find a doctor but he's on vacation and now I'm when it's a labor and I don't feel comfortable with any of the other doctors and there's just um and I guess that's something anybody worries about is their doctor but it's just an extra I guess barrier on there and um 
my doctor who prescribes my hormones actually their like specialty is to work with trans guys who want to have a baby oh wow and i kind of talked about it yeah yeah you mentioned it earlier so yeah um, with uh, you know like we talked about it together me the doctor and i um but i think that since i've transitioned and now that i um am on testosterone every day i don't really know that i would want to be a parent Mm. i just think that um taking the hormones definitely like who i am pretty much depends on those hormones so if i miss a day or my refill didn't come in time and i missed a week like that's you know really becomes rough times to me and i don't really feel like i am my personality i guess is consistent enough for a kid to depend on and that sucks that's a tough reality for me but i think that's definitely the truth and i think well for myself and I think that a lot of trans guys on hormones experience that like emotional like roller coaster kind of feeling that you know from day to day you could feel like a different person and that's just not good for a baby or a kid for sure for sure and yeah I mean we're talking about hormones that's you get into chemicals that's it has a significant impact on a person you you know you've been on testosterone like you said for eight eight years and it definitely does have a big impact and i know that um we both know Chelloman. Chelloman, uh you guys can find him on instagram at c-h-e-l-l-a-m-a-n um he did an art exhibit but also kind of, it was kind of like um a visual art where he did uh he put on um kind of like a, a pregnant stomach I don't know if you had seen this but he put on a pregnant stomach and you know looking at himself now he's been on uh you know hormones for years as well um has had top surgery and you know is very male presenting uh he was talking about the fact of how a trans man can go um, through the process of making that decision of, you know, do I want to have the kids? Do I want to make that decision and have that, have my mind and body go through that in order to have this child that would be biologically mine? Uh, and also yeah. the ge- the gender dysphoria that would go along with that as well. The body, uh, yeah. That's a good point too, is like, I feel like being off my hormones just to be, be come pregnant and then be pregnant for nine months. Like, yeah. I'm, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'd stress the baby out before he even came out. It's, it's a big, it's a big decision. It's a life changing decision. I mean, you, you had made the life changing decision to start taking hormones and, you know, yeah. you know what that process was like and how your body felt throughout that. And, you know, you mentioned switching from injection to gel and how that's kind of changed. But 
just kind of like how your options in general and the way you think about like reproductive justice, the right to have a kid, the right to not have a kid, you know, um, and how those choices are changed by the concept of gender in general. Um, so yeah, I think you, you talked about really, really great points. I, I really appreciate this conversation and I guess just in terms of wrapping up, like, I just, I just want to ask if there's anything that you feel like we wanted to, you wanted to like touch upon or address or just leave us with if if not that's okay but if you have any thoughts uh figured we can give a go at them now um i guess just two quick things number one since i was talking about the hormones um if you are taking hormones definitely try to keep up with it don't wait until the last minute to be refilling your prescription mm. and and be off your med have your hormones off and then the whole week sucks and just in general the more consistent you are with your meds the more solid you feel with your identity and that's just really important and what's what it's all about and that's how you make good decisions and last this was just you know how i feel in my experience and if you are trans and want to have kids you know there's partners out there for you and there's doctors out there for you and you know everybody's just different and gets to have their own unique experience and choosing to not have kids is also an absolutely yeah. valid decision like you said like whole concept of reproductive justice, like I said, is, you know, having that bodily autonomy, you know, having kids, not having kids, making those decisions. And, you know, of course, there are things like adoption and fostering and, and um, alternative treatments, as far as, you know, having children. But yeah, I just I, I really appreciate that you you emphasize that. Yeah. So well, I, I really, really appreciate your, uh, your time, your, your experience, your knowledge. Um, I am so grateful to know you and I, I, I know I always probe your brain for things that I'm, you know, not sure about or that we talk about. And I appreciate that we can have these conversations. Um, and yeah, I wanted to thank you again, um, for anyone listening, my my action item that I want to leave you with is just continue having this conversation. Um, you know, talk to people about gender, talk to about people about reproductive justice, healthcare. Um, you know, talk about things that you know may not feel so comfortable at first, but are important, and you and you'll know that they're important because these conversations need to be had. So continue talking about gender and reproductive justice um we are at grab your listening ears um that is this podcast series we're going to continue talking about different social justice topics in the upcoming episodes we'll be talking about um how reproductive justice is impacted by race and and also by incarceration so again we had adam here tonight and thank you so much for being with us and i i appreciate you all right. Thanks, Kay. Thanks. <laughs>